Lecture topic. Respect and honor is only in deen. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihin ladhin astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ غَلَمُوا فَتَمَسَّكُمُ النَّارِ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters in Islam. There's a well-known incident of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab رضي الله تعالى عنه When the issue came of conquering Sham, Baytul Maqdis. So the Jews had eventually come down to this that if the leader comes and we see him matching the description that is in our scriptures of who the personality will be that will conquer. Baytul Maqdis, then we will hand over the keys without any fight. So the Muslim armies were already there, surrounding the place, etc. But they said, look, if this happens, then we won't even fight. So Hazrat Umar ibn Khattab was asked to come, and he eventually came. When he came, so he was now on this journey, Along with him was a slave of his. They had one animal to ride between them. We are talking about Amirul Mu'mineen of the time. We are talking about a personality of the caliber of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab And we are talking about him going on a journey to claim victory over Sham and over Baytul Maqdis in particular. So now, normally, somebody on this kind of journey will go with a lot of pomp and glory, with a whole cavalcade maybe, with what not. Here is coming, but there is one horse, one riding animal that is being shared between Amirul Mu'mineen and his slave. It's not that, well, I am the leader here, I am the Amirul Mu'mineen, and you are my slave, you walk all the way, and I will ride all the way. They are taking turns to ride. So if the one per, if one person, if Omar Lano for example would have ridden for say one kilometer, then he would jump off and the slave will ride for one kilometer and he'll walk the next kilometer. Now can we, we can't really fathom the reality, but can we just picture the scene in our minds of the Amirul Mu'mineen walking and his own slave riding alongside him. And he is leading the animal. This is no way in the world in history can such examples be presented like the examples that were presented by Nabi Kareem Wasallam and the Sahaba Kiram and the Sahaba learned this from Nabi Kareem Wasallam and the kind of examples they presented to the world no way in history will find this. And no nation can present anything close to it. In any case, as they get closer, they have to cross some some water, watery 
maybe some marsh or whatever it might have been, and there was muddy water in there, and it was the time of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab to be walking. So he insisted he will continue walking. He took off his socks, his leather socks, or whatever. He put it on his shoulder. He folded his pants a little up. And now he is walking through this muddy water, leading the animal. And the Muslim armies are all now there. Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah, who was the leader of the army, he is present as well. And this was a very, very big moment for the Mu'mineen. Very great moment. Very, very great victory this was. And Sayyidina Ahmad Khattab is coming as the leader of this whole group of the believers. And he is going to be the one that is going to be claiming this victory. So Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah sees him in this manner, his socks on his shoulder, because now this would get wet in the water, so he took it off. And uh, he is walking through this muddy water, so obviously is going to soil his legs and so on to some extent. He is wearing this patched garments, and he is coming, Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala he addressed him and he said to him that, are you, you doing this in this manner? I, I wish that the leaders of the uh, Bani, the, the Jews, they don't see you in this condition because it's, it may not fit in. It may put us, like sort of, make us look lowly in their gaze. They may look down upon us. They may look down upon you as the Amirul Mu'mineen. It's not that he felt that this was anything wrong with it in itself, but just that this was a very crucial time to claim the victory now and to get the keys to the city and for the Muslims now to be dominant in this place. So he was just concerned that if these people look down, that this is how you are and this is your Amir, we don't want to talk to you. Maybe that might be the case. So out of that concern he said this. But when he said this, Hazrat Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu responded to him and he said to him, had it been somebody else that made the statement, then I would have made him a lesson for the whole Ummah. Now what we learn from here is, Umar is the Amirul Mu'mineen, but nevertheless Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala also was a very high ranking Sahabi. And due to his very high position, Umar respected his position as a very high ranking Sahabi. So he therefore on the one side needed to correct what happened, what was said, but the correction for everybody is not in the same manner. It was somebody else who was not of that position, then it was okay to even punish him in such way, in, a, in some way. Punish him in a way that will become a lesson for others. But here in this case, now the personality is a very high ranking person. So you can't deal with him in the same way like you would deal with somebody else who's not of that position. A simple example for us to understand that one is somebody's child. So now the child said something which was not correct. So now the parents will correct the child. They might reprimand the child also. Depending on what was said, they might even punish him to somehow. To make him learn the lesson, look, this is not how you speak. This is not the way to speak. 
But now the same person who just reprimanded his child for having said something, exactly the same thing, the person's now elder brother. The next day now the elder brother made the same statement. So now yesterday he went ahead and reprimanded his child, he even punished him in some way. So now when the elder brother made the same mistake and he said the same thing, is he going to be corrected in the same manner? Obviously not. If somebody feels no, that's the same manner to go about it, then they obviously are very, very far from how to deal with situations. They have uh, unfortunately missed the point that they understood one thing, but didn't understand the other part of it. They understood that something that is incorrect must be corrected, but they didn't understand that you also got to correct it in the correct manner. You have to fix up what is broken, but you have to fix it up in a way that fixes it, not that breaks something else in the process. So likewise, an elder cannot be corrected in the same way as a junior. The junior, the child, he will be treated according to his position as a child, but the elder, so now the elder brother has a certain position now, as the elder brother, but then now the same wrong statement, the father made that statement now. So now how he spoke to his brother, he can't speak to his father in the same way. Father will have to be corrected in a different manner. So there will be still correction, but in a different way. In correcting the father, he, what is wrong is wrong. What is wrong cannot be now said to be right because the father is the one who said it or the mother made that statement. So though it is wrong, but because my mother said it, then it's right. My father said it, it's right. No, the wrong is wrong. But how we go about correcting it, even that wrong of the parent cannot be corrected in a way where even that oof comes in between. Because Allah Ta'ala has commanded, وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْ Don't even say oof to them. وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا Don't rebuke them. وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا karima. Speak to them in kind words. That correction will happen in the same kind words. That correction also cannot be with the oof. So, those kind of incidents that come up from time to time, somebody is screaming at their own mother, screaming at their father, and uh, saying all kinds of uh, humiliating things to their own parents, how can that ever be accommodated and how can that ever be acceptable? How can that ever come on the tongue of a mu'min? When the Qur'an Sharif has given such great rights to parents, so that if even in this instance that is not acceptable, there is no space for it, that does not mean that the wrong will not be corrected. But the correction will must happen in the correct manner. If the correction happens in the wrong manner, so one is the parent's wrong, and then on the other side is the child's wrong. So the child says, no, I was correcting, but you are correcting the wrong manner, that manner is wrong. So now both will get weighed. The parent's wrong, that will get weighed on the one side. And the child's wrong, that will get weighed on the other side. But the child, his situation is so sensitive that even the oof is wrong. So now, how he went about it, started shouting, started screaming, somebody is now, the mother now, they shouting at her. 
So the mother is saying, now help out a little bit with this chores. Say, no, no, I'm back chatting the mother now. I'm very busy with my homework. And I got this to do, and I got that to do. And now, becoming rude, becoming abrupt. If somebody is busy, there's no harm in presenting that situation and expressing the situation, obviously busy with something that's valid. So now there's a way to go about it. That, Ami, I'm just busy with this. Can I... Can I just complete this in five minutes? I'm coming just now. Now, who is not going to be happy with that kind of response? That response is not to say, I am not doing it, or I won't do it, but the response is, can I just have some time to complete what I'm doing? And inshallah, just now I will, I'll help out. That will be very happily accommodated. But obviously now, if every day we want to get that accommodation, and say, I'm coming just now in two and a half hours time. So now that too is going beyond what's reasonable. Mashallah, in a very nice, sweet manner, the person is saying two and a half hours time, because two and a half hours time is going to be close to midnight just now. So now it's a very nice way to say, don't wait for me. So now obviously, within reasonable limits, nobody is going to have an issue with it. But they can, there's no space for being abrupt, for being rude, for saying things that are hurtful, for saying things that will cause uh, offense, there's no space for all this. When uff, there's no space for uff. وَلَا تَقُلَّهُمَا uffin. Then where can there be space for all the back chatting, for the rude and abrupt responses, for the one word answers, for all these kind of things, for the stubborn behavior? Where can there be room for all that? Now we need to learn these things from now. Many times, sometimes it's the growing up children themselves, they feel, well, I'm not an adult now, so I should be just overlooked. I'm seeing something now, it's fine. And sometimes, unfortunately, the elders themselves feel that way. But what happens? What happens is that that becomes gradually almost the nature of the person then. Now, from the early years, from childhood, or a little bit bigger than that, that became the manner of responding abruptly, rudely, stubbornly or in some inappropriate way and that got overlooked and overlooked and the person felt also that no, I, this is fine for me maybe not fine for my elder sister, my elder brother it's fine for me so now that continued that then became the nature of the person but now in our own household our parents will accommodate us, overlook us, they will make excuses for us, and whatever else, though it's not necessarily they're doing us a favor, but in their sometimes uh, becoming overcome by their love for their children, they sometimes make mistakes in how they deal with these situations. Rather than correcting it in a way that now, helps the child to correct their manner and approach, they let it pass. But then, how long is this accommodation going to continue in life? Our parents may accommodate it. Very often we'll find people immediately around us also. It might be sometimes siblings, it might be others in the extended family, it might be neighbors, others we come into contact with. They're not going to now accommodate this all the time. They're going to become very offended. Then today we're fighting with this person, tomorrow with that person, 
the next day with somebody else, then there's some argument here, then there's some other issue there. How are we going to continue our life like this? And then, one day we have to step forward in life. The person gets married, and now in their new home, now they want to continue in their new home, but in their old ways. But in the new home, those old ways are not accommodated. Because that now the parents were able to now digest it. Everybody can't digest it. Some people may digest it, but everybody can't. And then there's now endless problems. Now we started off from, we felt the behavior was fine for us. It's not a problem. It's what's a big deal about this. If we just said something to our mother, just said something to our father, we just was, we were a little bit rude, or we backchatted them, or now we became stubborn about something, or they declined some request, so now we started making an issue about it, started fussing and make, throwing a tantrum. So for us it's fine, but then that becomes the manner in which we want to deal with every situation in life. Now somebody gets married also, now for everything they want to throw a tantrum. But now how long that tantrum is going to be accommodated? So the, this is just a lesson that comes out of this, that every correction is not done in the same manner. The correction has to be done, but the manner of correction has to be considered carefully. And if you are not clear about what's the right manner of correction in a particular situation, then we should first take advice from somebody who has experience, who will be able to give us the correct advice, we first take advice. So in any case, that was something we digressed on, coming back to the incident we were discussing, that Hazrat Umar radiallahu he said to Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala that had it been said by somebody else, I would have made him an example. In other words, I would have put him through some punishment of some sort, because this is a very, very major blunder, to think in that manner. He then said a very historical statement. He made a very, very historical statement, which has been quoted probably countless times over the ages, because a very, very telling statement and a very historical statement, which we need to take to heart, and everybody needs to take to heart. He then said to him, نَحْنُ قَوْمٌ أَعَزَّنَ اللَّهُ بِالْإِسْلَامِ We are a people, meaning the Muslims, the Muslim community, we are a people whom Allah Ta'ala has given respect through Islam, through our deen. The respect of the Muslims is based on their deen. And that deen brought the respect. Prior to Islam, the Arabs were downtrodden, they were far from anybody wanting to even rule over them because they were regarded as such a backward community and so far from uh, human, almost like not even civilized. But when Islam came, Islam elevated them above everybody. And people started looking up to them in awe. And the nations of the world, the tribes and the various communities and people of the time and then the big superpowers of the world started looking up to them with great awe and respect. So that awe and respect that came didn't come because of any material uh, possessions that they had, 
because of any military might, because of anything else, it came through Islam, that these are Muslims, and they lived Islam, because they lived Islam, that honor came. So therefore he said to him, that we are a people whom Allah Ta'ala has elevated, and given us respect and honor, through Islam. فَمَهْمَا نَبْتَغِ الْعِزَّ بِغَيْرِ الْإِسْلَامِ Whenever we will try to seek respect and honor in anything that is not according to deen, then Allah Ta'ala will once again debase us. Allah Ta'ala will cause that disgrace to come upon us again. Now, this is the lesson that we have to take to heart. Everybody down there in the heart, they want to be respected. In some way or the other, that is there in the heart, they want to be respected. For example, take a simple example, if a person walks into a room, now there are a few people there, and uh, nobody greets you. You feel that this was a very humiliating thing. Let alone walking into a room and many people there, even if you just pass by somebody, and the person looked the other way. Now you expected the person to greet, say this person is now looking down upon me. This person is causing some hurt because the person is looking away the opposite direction so like I am nothing so I now am feeling hurt we should never ever behave in that manner because deen has taught us to spread salam to give the respect to others but at the same time we should not be demanding respect from others that is their responsibility that if they saw us first they should be greeting us that's their responsibility but the point is that we feel offended we feel hurt. Why? Because we want to be respected. Now that is there in every person. But now sometimes in order to get this respect that we crave from people, which should not be the case. We should not be craving this respect from people. We should be craving to be respected in the, meaning given honor in the court of Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala gives honor to those who turn to Him. So in any case, we have this in us so now, in order to get more of this respect, to attract the respect of people, what we do? We turn to things that we think bring respect. For example, people start adopting certain material things, which they feel will enhance their respect in society, their respect in their families maybe, their respect among friends, so now, in our level, in our circles, for example, it depends on what kind of phone somebody has. So now we feel that hey, this very simple phone can only make calls. Hey, people will think that I'm a you know, nobody. I got no worth in society because I'm carrying a Nokia phone. So I'll get knocked down by people. So now the, the whole respect of a person got measured by the kind of phone he has. So the Nokia phone, then is knocked down. And if it's a smartphone, then this person be a very smart person. And if it's some very high level smartphone, must be a high level person. But that high level smartphone, if a drunkard is owning it, does that make him good? If that high level smartphone, somebody who, he has the best phone on the market, Allah knows best what's, the best phone on the market and what it costs, but maybe say 40,000, 50,000 rands, I don't even know what's the 
whether there's such a phone or whether there's more than that, every time you hear something, you hear something even more. Just again to digress on this, somebody recently mentioned that there was, there's, was some handbag that was auctioned. The handbag that was auctioned went for $69,000. So, thought now maybe this handbag is like more like a you know, high level safe. It can probably, this high level safe can be now maybe, you know, Allah Alam can put a whole treasure in it. But then they said, no, no, this handbag that went for $69,000, it is something that is about the size of a grain of salt. And not so easily visible to the eye. You have to look at it under the microscope. But then the name of the company is there, whatever. $69,000. Now, $69,000, people bid for it. It went on auction. So all these people were bidding for something. For what? For one handbag. What size handbag? You can't even see it with your eyes. You have to look at it under the microscope. So, what you're paying for is, you're paying for so-called bragging rights. Bragging rights, that too you'll have to tell somebody you have it, because they can't see it too. Now normally somebody will buy something for the bragging rights, but something with a very bold label on it. And that label also will be, then it must make sure it's in such a way that the label is very nicely visible. That is why nowadays the brand labels that come, it don't come behind the collar somewhere. It comes in a very, very obvious space. People must see, they mustn't think this one cheap line thing. They must know this is this brand. Now that is going to enhance our position. So now, this is the insanity. It's simply insane. It is complete madness. But, that is the unfortunate and sad reality. That there are, there's one port in long time he passed away, Ghalib was his name in India, he was a very famous poet, so one poem of his, one little couplet of his, he said, Bewakofo ki koi kami nahi Ghalib, ek dundo hazar milega. He said, oh Ghalib, there is no shortage of fools in this world. You go to look for one, you'll find a thousand. Now sometimes a person goes to look for something, he has to hunt for it, he can't find it here, can't find it there. After a long battle, he finds it where he's looking for it. Have a look what he's looking for. He says, fools, don't try, don't worry. You'll go to look for one before you know you'll find thousand. It's so easily available. Now, these are the fools who had spent $69,000. And those who didn't get it also were bidding Allah knows with how much to go and buy one handbag like this. Now, that is, we will all laugh at it, at the stupidity and the insanity behind it. But in our own level of things, we are also doing things which are also in the same level of foolishness. At a different sphere, in a different sphere, that is now on another level. But in our level, we also are not sometimes doing things which can be classified as intelligent. But, as they say, we are living in a fool's world sometimes. So among fools, there is a lot of respect for foolishness. Among fools, they respect foolishness. You get some people in some circles, they swear. When they're talking, they swear. Which is a terrible thing. Now one person asks him, but why? He says, well, if you're sitting in that company, if you don't swear, then they look down upon you. So in the company of fools, in the company of mad people, 
Somebody who's sane is looked at like something wrong with him. Because in the company of mad people, you must behave mad to be acceptable. Now that becomes the story that now in order to gain this respect, we resort to all these kind of funny things, some kind of brand, some kind of this, that and the other, in order to enhance our respect. Our respect can only come through one avenue, and the respect is through deen, through the Mubarak way of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa through his way of life. This is what's going to give us honor in dunya also, and the honor of the akhirat as well. This is the very deep lesson that Hazrat Umar ibn Khattab gave for the entire ummah. That we want the honor, the only way the honor will come is through deen. And there's no real worth to the honor of dunya. The real thing is the honor of akhirat. That is what we have to aspire for. But if we aspire for that in the right way, Allah Ta'ala will grant honor in dunya as well. Not the, the completely futile honor and the worthless honor of material things but honor in reality. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu wa lakal shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bima huwa ahlu. Rabbana ulamna anfusana wa illam takhfil lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin. اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى واجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله